Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I'm your host, Spen. He's my brother, Nick. And we have an awesome episode for you guys today. And that is because we have our first ever recurring guest in the history first of the show. Ever. First ever Nets and NBA reporter for the New York Daily News, Christian Winfield. Christian, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? What's happening, man? Welcome back on the pod. Thanks for having me, man. I'm just... I'm trying to figure out how this type of season, like you got to work life balance is something crazy, man, especially when you're in this field and you got to work around an NBA schedule, man. So just trying to balance life in <laughs> this crazy net season. You're not wrong. It's been a roller coaster of a season to say the least. Um, I guess, first off, I got to ask you, what prompted you to want to come back on the show? Did you have that good of a time the first time? You know, I had such a terrible time that I had to go back and write my wrongs, right? I write you guys as a wrong. You guys were so awful. I was like, no, nah, let me stop playing. You know, I had a great time. So I was like, you know, I might as well just double back. And I just love talking hoops and talking nets and stuff that I can, you know what I'm saying, provide some insight on. So I was like, you know what? Why not? Hell yeah. Well, we are glad to have you. Before we get into the Nets talk, uh, I follow you on Twitter. I'm, I'm an avid follower. Uh, what's your Twitter account real fast? Uh, for the listeners? Chris Flash, Chris Flash, K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. So I, I noticed you're celebrating Ramadan, which, which mm-hmm. means you have to fast. And, and I, don't, I don't know a ton about Ramadan, so I was hoping you can enlighten me and tell our audience everything about the holiday. Sure. Um, well, I'm not Muslim, but one of my, my actual best friend is. Um, we went to high school and college together. Uh, and my cousin, who's kind of like a sister to me, she lives in Miami. She's also, uh, she told me today, hey, I want to, well, not today. She told me a couple weeks ago, hey, I want to do Ramadan. Uh, and I had done it with my with my bro a couple of times, or actually each of the last couple of years. Um, but basically, you, you, you know what I'm saying? You don't eat, you don't drink, you try to limit your vices. Um, and you can't really eat or drink while the sun is up. Uh, so A, you have to wake up early if you're going to eat early. Uh, usually that means around six or a little bit before six. Um, you pray. I have an alarm. I pray about five times a day. Sometimes they're about 30 second prayers. Sometimes they could be three or four minutes. Um, and it's just a good way to censor yourself, get closer to God or whoever you call the higher being, you know what I'm saying? And um, for me, honestly, it was also, if I could just keep it funky with you, I put on a lot of pandemic pounds. So I needed to cut some of those things off. And I figured fasting is a good way to, uh, to burn some of them. You're definitely not alone. And you might be the best friend in the world to, to want to do that and fast with, with your buddy and support. You know, me and Nick happen to be Jewish and we celebrate Yom Kippur. Well, we don't celebrate Yom Kippur. It's a somber holiday, but every year right. I fast and I've been dating um, my girlfriend, Victoria, for about four years now. She's not, oh, Jewish. Wow. She's, she's Catholic. But okay. every year I go, hey, Victoria, you want to fast with me on Yom Kippur? She's like, hell no. I'm not doing that. And I'm thinking, she might not, not be the one for you, bro. I, don't don't say that on this you, Absolutely. <laughs> She absolutely is the one. I don't for me. know, man. She's, she's, what I will say is, like, I try I to take know, it to man. If she I try to take it to you. another extreme, and I try to get my friends to be bar mitzvah. So I'll be like, "Hey, man, like, I could bar mitzvah you," and they're like, "No, we don't want that. Don't you do that when you're like 13?" I was like, "No, no, no. Drink some beer. We'll have a ceremony. We'll we'll turn you into a man." But I usually get rejected on that. I think <laughs> what does too, that mean? How do like you forceful? How do you bar mitzvah somebody? Like, what what does that entail? Uh, I improvise. I'll kind of do like a whole like knighting thing. Like you are now a oh Jewish goodness. man. Maybe so are you just making this stuff up on the fly? Is that what's oh, 100%, happening? 100%. 100%. <laughs> okay. Mm-mm. That's funny as hell. 
All right, so let's get into some Nets talk. Unfortunately, Christian, we have to start off with these injury updates. You're starting off with the dog. Yeah, oh, I, have, I have a dog. This is Homer. He, Homer. He, bark, he barks occasionally on the pod. So if you guys hear a little puppy, it's it's this little corgi right here. Uh, yeah. I would have thought I would have thought his name was Dogecoin. <laughs> the way he's, well, I definitely invested in him. There you go. Dogecoin. There you go. Um, yeah, he uh, he has his own Instagram page, Homer the Corgi. So wow. absolutely give him a follow. That's but great. We we got to start off on a down note because unfortunately this is this is a low point for the Brooklyn Nets. We we have Kevin Durant getting hurt again in the latest game against the oh god who did they oh the the heat he gets hurt in the first three or four minutes he was on fire right before that um he's going to be out against the pelicans later tonight what is the latest we are hearing on the health of kevin durant i mean right now it's just it's it's a lot of uncertainty you know like if you ask jeff green he says i I think it's a day-to-day thing um but then when you ask steve he says hey i don't know how severe it is you know we haven't spoken to him since Right after having, we didn't talk to him today, so we'll probably get some more clarity tomorrow, which is game day. Um, it's just tough, man. You, you, you know, as good as James Harden has been, he's your MVP this season. You can't win a championship if you don't have Kevin Durant, right? If you have one of James Harden and Kyrie Irving, you have a shot. If you don't have Kevin Durant, you're probably out in the in the first second round tops. You're probably not getting to the Eastern Conference Finals if you don't have him on the team. So it's tough. I mean, on top of that, they're trying to build this continuity where, you know, I'm saying the big three has only played in, I don't even call it seven games, it's six and a half because Kevin Durant gets pulled. He doesn't start that game and then gets pulled in the third quarter because of COVID uh, health and safety protocols. These guys haven't even played seven games together yet. And now you want them to have this chemistry and continuity that they haven't been able to develop in practice because there is no practice time this season that they haven't been able to have really just in games because they're saying they want to treat the regular season as practice time. But if you don't have your guys on the floor, you're not going to be able to do that. And and the playoffs are, you got 15 more games. Well, after today, 14 more games. So it's going to be tough, but at the same time, you, you, you're paying each of these guys upwards of what, $40 million a year because they can score and they can win games. So you got to rely on that to, to win it. And that's what they're doing. They're going to rely on their star power and whether that star power is available, I guess we've yet to see. Nick Claxton and Reggie Perry are both out health and safety protocols what happened there no clue i don't know i'm just as surprised as everybody else i don't know if they i I have nothing for you on that one i don't know to be fair the team doesn't necessarily open up with those types of things they usually keep those things private um maybe they went out over the weekend maybe they were in contact with somebody my guess would be that they were together with some other people that eventually tested positive for covid and usually it's contact tracing um so they could be out a week. That's how you. That's how it went with Kevin Durant when he was in the health and safety protocol earlier this season. He missed two separate stints of three games. Um, so I guess we'll find out. But my best bet would be that it's contact tracing and that someone that they were both in close proximity to eventually tested positive and told them. Obviously, not having Reggie Perry, not the biggest deal in the world. He doesn't play a ton of minutes on this team. But right. without Nick Claxton, you now have a front court of DeAndre Jordan, who was benched for LaMarcus Aldridge, who's now not with the Nets, Blake right. Griffin, and Jeff Green. So right. that's going to be tough moving forward. It is going to be tough, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. I think they'll both be back at the rotation. Um, I think DJ has something to prove at this point. He got benched for a guy who really has not really been known to play much defense. Um, and now he's about to come back. And I think what's going to be their saving grace is I think James Harden's going to end up coming back sometime this week. And James Harden and, and DeAndre Jordan, really James Harden and anybody who could catch a lob pass and dunk it, they really have a great uh, rapport on the floor. So I think that'll give DJ a boost as well. But um, as you can see, you know, 
Nick Claxton was playing very, very well in games that James Harden was in. And then when James Harden goes out, Nick Claxton's numbers start to go down because now you don't have that setup guy. You don't have the guy who can just manipulate a defense and dump it off or throw it over the top. So uh, it's going to be tough. But at the same time, once Harden gets back, I think a lot of things fall back into place. You think once Harden's back, DJ gets more minutes too, just because of their chemistry? For sure. I think that and the simple fact that you don't have LaMarcus anymore. Right. So you got to You got to fill those minutes somehow. So I think, number one, yes, DJ gets those minutes um, because of their chemistry. I think we'll probably see Jeff Green play some small ball five. We'll probably see Blake Griffin play some small ball five like he played against Bam. Um, I guess this is going to Marcel like he played against Bam two nights ago. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, but this has been the, the same story all year. Guys have been in and out. Guys have been getting hurt. Guys have been taking personal leaves of absence. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. one thing after another. So it's nothing new for them. How do, you, how do you feel about Griffin firing threes these days? I mean, if he's going to make them, I don't mind. And he made a good amount of them in Detroit. Um, but he's if he's going to be on the floor and take them, uh, that's interesting because I think if you have a stretch five on the floor, it really gives your your offense a different different vibe, right? You're able to space the floor. Right? You're able to draw that big man out from the paint, and now you can attack the rim because that big man has to respect the shooter. I just don't think Blake Griffin is a lights-out shooter in a way that like, I think – I think defenses are going to say, you know what, let Blake Griffin shoot that. We'll live with Blake Griffin hitting six, seven threes if that's how we're going to lose it. I don't think Blake Griffin has a seven three game in him this season. So if he's going to be a pick and pop threat, that's cool. Um, but I don't think he's going to be able to be a legitimate stretch five for them because I don't think he's going to be able to hit them at a high enough clip. I think he might have games where he gets hot, but I don't think consistently he'll be able to hit that. And that's going to be, I guess we'll find out, right? He's going to have to prove me wrong. Do we have any update on the status of Tyler Johnson or Spencer Dinwiddie? Fun. I, I asked um, Steve Nash about Tyler not too long ago, and he said, you know, he's he's working his way along. He's still a couple, I guess I, I'd say probably at least another week or two from, from actually touching the floor. But he has, I guess, progressed to the point where he's able to run, right? And that's really what they want. They want to know, is he able to do, I guess they call it high intensity. It's not hit, but it's like high intensity full court running, right? Like, can he actually run up and down the floor when you have a knee injury, when you have a hamstring injury, when you have whatever, when you have any type of leg injury, you got to go, you have to pass those hurdles. Then you have to get into playing one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. I don't think Tyler Johnson has gotten to the three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five portion, but he has progressed to being able to run full speed up and down the floor. So that's a good sign for him. As it pertains to Spencer, um, that's going to be tough because we we see what Spencer posts on Instagram and how optimistic he is as he's been since he got hurt about his prospects of returning. And then you actually look at the timeline, right? You've got 15, 14 more games uh, and then the playoffs. You've got Spencer who's been, you know what I'm saying, rehabbing his knee, but hasn't been doing, to my knowledge, any real conditioning work because he can't really put too much can't really overload that knee. Then you've got a roster of guys who are still trying to figure out how to play with each other. And now you're going to add another point guard who is still trying to get his legs and his conditioning and his body up under him. And not to mention last time he played with these guys, he was playing with Karis, Torian, Jarrett. He hasn't played with any of these guys really like that. So, you know, yes. Is it possible for Spencer to come back? Yes. But on one respect, how much damage do you do yourself by not giving yourself the entire season to heal from an ACL tear, even if it is partial? And number two, just how much of an impact can you have when you haven't played all year, you don't have your conditioning, you don't have any rapport with the guys who are on the floor in terms of practice time. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I'm not high on the idea of Spencer coming back, but Sean Mark said it the other day. He would never bet against Spencer Dinwiddie, and honestly, I wouldn't either. So if he's ready to come back, he's ready to come back. If he comes back, whose minutes is he cutting into? Um, uh, Chris Chioza's, 
And I think that's about it. I think everybody else has a real utility on the floor right now and has a real understanding of where guys need to be in of the game plan. Spencer, he's been in LA. He hasn't even rejoined the team yet. You know what I'm saying? Like just to watch, just to be with them. So I think it'd be an uphill battle for him to really take someone like Tyler Johnson or Landry Shamit's minutes. Like those guys have what Steve Dash likes to call institutional knowledge of what they want to do on the floor. And as much as Spencer's, obviously Spencer's one of the smartest guys on the planet, but he's been away for so long. I think it'd be a real uphill battle for him to take someone's minutes that's been with this team from the beginning of the season. In terms of Chioza, speaking of Chioza, I mean, he just got surgery on his broken hand. Is he done for the season? Um, I know he's done for the regular season. If he comes back in the playoffs, that'd be one thing. Um, tough break, man. And that's really needed some depth at the point guard, because as you can see, if one of James Harden or Kyrie Irving goes down, you're really, really thin at that one. Um, and then you lose Tyler Johnson, who's that combo guard. I mean, we saw Landry Sam make some make some plays. I think he can play the point guard position for like two or three minutes at a time, but that's not a real viable option there. Um, so it's tough. I don't think we're going to see Chioza at least until the playoffs. And then at that point, who knows what they're going to do. Looking at Shamit's three point field goal percentage you see month over month. Holy Man. crap. Amazing. You know, and I was one of the guys that was on him at the beginning of the season because first month he's shooting 25% from three, second month he's shooting 32% from three. I'm like, Landry, what's going on? What are you, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, these things come, these things will pass. I'm just going to stick to what I know. Um, and for him, what he knows is just practice and getting those reps up. And it's obviously paid off. Um, and this is who we knew he was, right? This is who he's been in Philly and in Los Angeles when he was on those teams. Uh, so it just took some settling in from him. He hasn't changed anything in, in his routine. He's done the same thing over and over. And it's really for him, it's just a byproduct of putting in the work and trusting his work. You know, I asked him, I asked him multiple times because I was pressing. I was like, yo, if you're not going to hit three, basically I was like, if you're not going to hit threes, what are you doing out there? And he was like, you know, the threes are going to fall. I just got to trust the work. And credit to him, threes are starting to fall. No, absolutely. I mean, the best part about Shabbat getting hot is the Iron Eagle nicknames for Shamit. Shamwow, <laughs> Shamalama, Ding Dong. Yeah, I, I think Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle should get an award just for, I think he's <laughs> the best. He's, he's the best uh, commentator that I get to watch. Uh, I just have so much fun. And then just seeing him in person, uh, getting to see him at Barclays is so, is so cool, man. He's he's the GOAT in Legend. my book, man. Yeah, he's definitely the GOAT in my book. Lamit Shamit was another one he used. Lamit Shamit. Yeah, that was great. He's ridiculous. <laughs> Where does he come up with this stuff? I have no off idea. The top, off the dome, just off yeah. the dome. I mean, all right, speaking of this logic around Shamit then, right? We, we kind of waited, gave him a lot of shit because he was just not stroking it for the first couple months. We, we put him on his team to drain threes, right? To be mm-hmm. a, a high percentage shooter. We kind of waited out. He starts to get hot. Yeah. Applying that same logic to TLC. Man, How oh, long man. do we wait for TLC? I asked Steve Nash that exact question. Because, as you've noted, man's not hitting his shots. You know what I'm saying? Not only is he not hitting his shots, he hasn't been the best defender and he hasn't been the best decision maker, right? That's a, that's a triple threat. You're not hitting shots. You're not playing elite defense. And you're turning the ball over. Well, why are you on the floor? I asked Steve Nash, hey, well, what do you do with a player when he's not getting better over time, but you need him, right? Because eventually you're going to need TLC. It's not like you can cut him and find somebody else to fill his minutes, right? At this point, you, you've got to ride with what you got. And that's kind of what Steve Nash said. He goes, hey, we're just going to keep trusting him. We're going to keep putting him out there. And he's basically said that, you know, he's TLC is what, at this point, the Nets roster is what it is, right? There's not much that they're going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to trade any more trade deadlines pass, buyout market. Even if someone gets waived by another team right now, that person can't join the Nets for their playoff run, right? That deadline was April 9th. So now you're looking at overseas guys who've been playing different types of competition, not NBA competition, who are 
completely new to whatever it is the Nets want to do. And I think for TLC, it's going to be the same. He's got to trust his work and not doubt himself. I think eventually those shots are going to fall. I've seen him get hot before. I've seen him be consistent in spurts. Um, So I think for him, it's going to be a, he's going to have to play, right? Because Tyler Johnson's hurt right now. We don't know. He's probably, he'll probably be back in another week or two. Um, Chris Chios is out and the Nets are always going to need someone on the floor to space it. So I think Steve Nash is going to ride. I don't think they have any choice right now. They've got to ride who they have because there, there aren't any other alternatives. You bring up the Nets looking at players from overseas. Um, a name I've seen recently is Mike James. Sure. Uh, played for Russia, got an sure. altercation with the coach, is suspended. Sure. He's trying yeah. to find a way out. Um, I saw you retweeted Brian Lewis, but there are reports that he was signed. I don't think those reports are true. I'm sure no. someone like you would have heard it before, yeah. you know, anybody. So talk to us about Mike James. What have you heard about him? And, and why are the Nets interested in him instead of acquiring another big? You know, um, as it pertains to Mike James, no, he hasn't been signed yet. That could change by the time this podcast comes out. Who knows? But as of right now, uh, April 19th, 8.40 p.m., he has not signed the contract yet. Um, and why are the Nets looking are interested in another point guard? I mean, look at what they have right now. You look at Chris Chioza, who's out. And this is the case that I made when they signed LaMarcus Aldridge or when they entered the buyout market and LaMarcus Aldridge became available and they were looking at Andre Drummond. I'm like, yo, okay, if you get Andre Drummond, that's one thing. He's an imposing big man and he can... And we saw that when the Nets played him in Los Angeles, like it was bad, but you're not short of him. You're not going to find anybody else. That's going to be able to be that force that can stop an Andre Drummond that can stop a Joel Embiid that could stop a Giannis at the rim that can really try to handle guys like Bam and all these other guys down low. Um, so for that reason, you need to give yourself some insurance, right? If Spencer Denwood doesn't come back, if Chris Chios's hand isn't fixed, if you can't rely on Kyrie Irving or James Harden to be available for the entire playoff stretch because of injuries, you've got to hedge your bets and, and get some type of insurance policy. And I guess that's where they're going with Mike James. Um, so I know he's got other offers on the table. I believe I read that somewhere, but that's what they need at this point. I'm saying like, there's nothing, there's nobody that they're going to be able to find at the five that can move the needle, right? They tried with Norvell Pell and failed. LaMarcus Aldridge, we saw the shortcomings in his game. Once he got there, yes, he can score, but mobility was, was lacking defensively. They're not going to be able to find that. What they can find is someone who can alleviate two, three, four minutes at a time when Kyrie and James Harden aren't in the game. I think that's what they need. Okay. Where did, uh, where Mike James go to college? I have no clue. I, I Lamar. I think I looked this up today. I think he went to Lamar University. Lamar Long University. College. I'm like uh, 90% sure on that. So yeah. right, we'll take it. It's the, it's the best we got. There you yeah, go. There you, yeah. Go. you got to roll what you got. And that's um, where the Nets are right now. We got to get into that loss to the Miami Heat on Sunday. Oh, sure. Yeah. That was, that was a tough one. No Jimmy Butler for the Heat. No James Harden. And then basically no Kevin Durant for the Nets. Last second shot by Bam Adebayo goes down over Jeff Green to win the game for the Heat. The Nets were up, I think, six points with a little over two minutes left. Kyrie yeah. missed three straight shots on yep. three straight offensive possessions. Brooklyn loses the game. What were your thoughts when that when, when that shot went in right after the buzzer? Man, number one, I was like, oh, he just made that because I, if I can remember correctly, Jimmy Butler had told the media something about Bam shouldn't be taking mid-range jumpers, and then Bam hits a mid-range jumper for the win. So that was pretty cool just to see that whole thing play out. But – I mean, my, my immediate thought was, okay, well, Kyrie, you missed three straight shots down, down the stretch. 
Landry Shamit has the hot hand. You can get him the ball, right? He's got 30 points, made seven threes. Um, and we kind of asked him about that. And I was like, hey, you know, what happened? And that's didn't score for the final three minutes and 20 seconds of this game. And if you've got Kyrie on the floor, you expect better than that, right? So I asked him what happened. He goes, hey, you know, part of it is just basketball, but the other part of it, and he was real candid. He goes, hey, you know, I've got to be better in getting my guys involved. And the first thing he said is, I got to hit those shots, right? Like, he's like, I, I, he felt that he could have made those shots. But also, he said, hey, you know, Landry has... 30 points I should be trying to get the ball to the hot hand you know he's like I've got to be better about picking my spots down the stretch versus trying to get some offense going for other guys and then on top of that you know I asked Landry the same thing I said hey you know Kyrie was pretty down on himself um just about a him not making those shots and b not getting you the ball and then Landry goes hey you know I understand that but we've got to do a better job of getting ourselves open. He said, hey, you know, a lot of us were just sitting around and watching Kyrie go to work when if we would have been, his, I think his exact, his exact words were, if we would have been more decisive in any type of movement or action that we would have made, that could have helped him. So I think it was a culmination of things. Yes, Kyrie could have hit those shots, but they were tough shots. I mean, you've got Bam out of bio on you on two of them, and one of them you got Andre Iguodala on you as well. Um, so it, it was a tough spot. And then you also don't have KD or James Harden, and, you know, Kyrie always wants to pull out his superhero cape and go to work and it just didn't work that time so I, I guess we'll see it's a good learning experience for them um but my mind was immediately at okay well Kyrie if you ain't gonna hit those shots better get the ball to someone who is here's what I'll say right there, there are five minutes left in that game maybe maybe less and I was like this is the ideal game right we come mm-hmm. back from being down majority of the game so we're 18 lead changes at that point with a few minutes left in the fourth quarter our role players get us the lead back Right. Mm-hmm. You got Bruce Brown working his ass off. You got yep. Shamit hitting his shots. This is the ideal situation. Our role players bring us back in the game, get us momentum, get us the lead. And then a superstar like Kyrie comes in and seals the deal. That's yeah. how the that's how the fourth quarter should go. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm OK with Kyrie taking that first shot. I'm even OK with Kyrie taking that second shot. Mm-hmm. But now it's a tie game. you got to switch from Bam on you. And you're taking a fadeaway three with the biggest guy on the court in your face. That to me was the only one. I don't mind the first, I don't mind the second, but the third one to me was ill-advised. And what I will say, which leads to the next question is, theoretically, they don't take Blake Griffin out. They don't Mm. go small with Jeff Green. Does Bam still switch up? Does Bam still come forward on Kyrie? Because now you've got a bigger body down low for the Nets. How did you feel about pulling Blake? And do you think that would have affected those those last couple of plays? Um, hmm. That's a great question. I think at the end of the day, if you're paying someone $40 million, they, they, they're going to take that shot no matter what. Right. And if you're Kyrie and that clock is winding down and you've got somebody like Bam on you and you feel like you can beat them, I'm rolling with him. And I, and credit to Landry. He said the same thing he goes, Hey, you know, we, we want Kyrie to take that shot. He's Kyrie freaking Irvin. He's going to do it. Um, at the same time, you know, I think that's an interesting point about the sub. That's not something that I was necessarily paying attention to. Um, but I still think at that time, even if you have Blake in the game, Kyrie is tunnel vision at times. You know what I'm saying? So who's to say that he does? That he even sees him there? And and who's to say that Bam still doesn't switch? You know, like at the end of the day, you either get Bam or you're getting Andre Iguodala. And that's still a tough shot to hit over Iguodala. So I think there's plenty of different ways that we can rewind it and probably look at the tape and see what could have been done or couldn't have been done. But I think most concerning for me was no Jimmy Butler and no Victor Oladipo for the Heat. Um, and you're talking about, okay, well, the Nets didn't have Kyrie or we didn't have Kevin Durant or James Harden, but those are two stars versus two stars. And you might, this might be a series that they end up playing and the Heat are a tough team. They're going to bring it every night. They're going to get into that paint, score in the paint or get into the paint and then kick it out and hit that three. Then if you got guys like Jimmy Butler talking shit and getting his way into the paint and doing all that, you know what I'm saying? And marching to the foul line and talking his way through, that's going to be a tough series. I think they're, I think the Heat are a team that the, uh, the Nets don't want to see.
So oh, I'm a big Goran Dragic guy too. He's, no, he's a good player. He's, he's, yeah. he's solid. None, none's not bad too. None had like yeah. five threes in that game. They've got the he's Heat have serious. a lot of guys that can just like if you put them on other teams, they'd either be starters or or six men candidates, right? Like they're a really solid team, really well coached. I don't that's that's gonna be a tough out, man. There's a lot of tough outs in in uh in the east. You you brought up uh a little concern after that game. Three losses in their last five games for Brooklyn headed sure. into tonight's matchup with the Pelicans. Sure. On a on a scale of one to ten, Christian, what should be the cause of concern for Nets fans with about 15, 16 games remaining in the regular season? Um I think that and this might be taking the easy way out, but I think it should be a a uh what's the way i would word it i think the the scale of concern should fluctuate with who's available okay right like if you've got kevin durant if kevin durant comes back later this week and he's fine and james Harden comes right back with him there's a zero concern right they'll be fine they'll get it together if kevin durant's injury is more severe than we thought and it's just kyrie irving and james Harden out there and you're going down this ladder stretch and you've got to win some of these games because if you don't get that number one seed that means you're probably going to have to play both the bucks and the Sixers to get to the to to get to the finals. That's going to be tough. You know, you don't want to do that. And I know the Nets say they don't want the number one. Well, not that they don't want the number one seed, but that is not a pri- a primary concern for them. I think it should be because if you get the number one seed, you're going to have the easier road to the finals. That's all it is. And then if you don't have your pieces, you want as easy of a road as it, as it can be. So I don't think you should be concerned if this team is healthy. I think if the injury bug continues to bite them. I think if Kevin Durant sits out or if he gets another injury or if James Harden goes down with something else or if Kyrie disappears for some reason, then you've got concern. But if this team is healthy and, and loaded, I, I think everybody should be just fine. And who, who do you need to see down the stretch? Obviously, the ideal answer is everyone's got to step it up, especially with injuries. But if I'm talking about guys like Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, uh, even Nick, Alizé Nick, Johnson. Nick Claxton. Claxton, who do you need to see if you can give me one guy that has to start playing consistently and elevating their game? Oh, DeAndre Jordan, for sure. 100%. Um, I think DJ is going to be a key for this team because he's a veteran. He's experienced. He's been playoff battle tested almost every year, except for these last couple years when he was, I guess last year he wasn't in the bubble. Before that, he was on the Knicks and they were a disaster then. And before that, he was in Dallas. I don't think they were a playoff team at that point. But before he got traded, the, the Clippers were in the playoffs every single year and competing for something. Um, so I think that's somebody who we really need to see step up and take it to another level. This is a guy who should not be getting DMPs. He signed a four-year, $40 million deal. Why are you at the end of, end of the bench? And I think at, at some respect, he's got to feel the same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got to know that he has more to give, right? And I think everybody, I think, and I asked Kyrie about this, and he was like, hey, you know, he's got to, and I, I, I don't even really want to paraphrase what he said because I don't remember exactly what he said, but in a way he said, you know, this is a time for DJ to kind of understand what he has to bring in order to really be part of this rotation, right? If you, you can't be DeAndre Jordan and be losing your minutes to Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, and Nick Claxton. That's, you're making four years, $40 million. That's, that's not a good look. Um, So that's, that'd be the guy that I'd say I want to see some from. And then after that, um, I think after that, you know what you're getting from everybody. You know what you're getting from Joe Harris. You know what you're getting from Jeff Green. I mean, Blake Griffin can be a wild card, but you probably shouldn't have bet on him to be anything more than that anyway. You know what you're getting from Bruce Brown. You know what Landry's going to give you. I think TLC is a wild card as well. You want him to be his best, but we don't know. He hasn't really been playoff tested. He hasn't really played in too, too well, at least in the second half of the season. Um I'd like to see Tyler Johnson back. That's a guy who's going to play a lot of minutes. I like Tyler Johnson on this team. And those are two people that the Nets really need to get stuff from. I think DeAndre Jordan and TLC, you get those, you get the best out of those two guys in the playoffs, you really have a chance. 
And I'll tell you this, and you guys brought it up with, with Harden eventually coming back and making DJ better, but something that not a lot of Nets fans have really brought up, Nick Claxton was that dude for a yeah. stretch of time with James Harden. Sure. The second Harden went out with injury, you saw Claxton disappear on offense. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's not being talked about at all. I think that's that that could be James Harden's MVP case right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, this team is struggling with without him. And when you have them, you've got a supercharged offense that can't really be stopped. I mean, Nick Claxton said it so many times. James Harden makes my life easier. You know what I'm saying? He tells me where to be, and I'm there, and boom. Now I'm averaging 10 points and six rebounds just like that. And now his looks haven't even been the same. You know, so um, I think that's, that is that is real. But that's also what happens when you when you play with a guy like James who knows how to – he is a master manipulator of defense. It is hilarious. It's like – watching Draymond Green almost with just like more handles than a better jump shot because Draymond Green knows as soon as he catches that ball, he knows where the help is coming from and he's making that pass before the help is even there. And James Harden's the same way. He just also can get you 50 points whenever he wants to, or he can Euro step and he could do something, man. That man's MVP cases in Nick Claxton's <laughs> decline. Well, I, I, I'll tell you this, whatever big ass contract that um, oh, Clint Capella signed in Atlanta some of that money should go to James Harden. For sure, so, yeah. So. James Harden got so many people paid. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Didn't well, Capella just get yammed on by Bridges? He did. Yeah, Brid- he Bridges is yamming on everybody. Bridges yeah. yammed all over the Nets, too. Let's not bring yeah, that up. Yeah. Um, That's Rip- me on an eight-foot hoop, baby. There you yeah, go. You got rise? <laughs> Good to know. Real fast, before we get to uh, to the last few segments, um, obviously one of the more shocking moments of the season was LaMarcus Aldridge announcing sure. his retirement after playing a few games with the Nets sure. after it was revealed he had an experience in a regular heartbeat. Sure. Um, but I, I just want to you know stick with the good with him, but what will you remember most about LMA's career in the NBA? Man, that's a great question. Uh, before I even – man, I was in college um, interning – for this site called Rip City Project. Um, this was in between, I, first I was interning at Bleacher Report. Actually it was after, it wasn't even an internship. I was working, I was doing an internship with Bleacher Report. Then I started writing for Bleacher Report. And then I left Bleacher Report to like run the Rip City Project site for about three months. It wasn't a long stint, but I was always a Trailblazers. I was a Trailblazers fan and a Nets fan. I loved Brandon Roy. I loved uh, that whole team they put together down there. And LaMarcus Aldridge was a big part of that team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge part. Greg Oden was down there. And then they tried to go for it one year. They had Batum. Um, Batum was yeah, on they that had team. Too? They had Gerald Wallace at one time. They had Jamal Crawford at one point. They had a, a loaded team that never really did too much. But LaMarcus Aldridge, man, he was just automatic from the mid range. Post game was crazy. And he was always tough. I'll never forget Shaq and Chuck having this conversation on TNT. And Shaq said, you know what? LaMarcus could have played with us. Right, as in he was one of those tough big men who's going to go and bring it every night and not really cry or anything like that. And that was one thing I was really looking forward to watch here in Brooklyn that we never got to see. Like we saw we had him go for, I think it was 22 or 23, one game. And then he ends up retiring shortly after. So that used to be really one of my favorite players to watch, one of my favorite players to use in 2K because you can't stop that mid-range pull-up or that mid-range jump shot. Um, And I'm I'm glad that he prioritized his health because we want to have him around for as long as possible. And one more thing. Sean Marks went up and said, hey, you know, if there's anything we could do for him, we still want him to be around this team. So I, I, we might still see him around Barclays. You never know. He might pop up and, and help out whenever whenever they need him. Now, Christian, you see this? I got this uh, Amine Bleacher Report. Hey, throwbacks. Rip City. Wow. Right there. That's fire. That is dope. Yeah, for, for those listening to the podcast, Nick's holding up a Rip City shirt. 
uh, Rip City shirt. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking. Yeah, no, 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 no I'm right. telling the listeners because oh, yeah, <laughs> this is a podcast. Cards. It's audio yeah. only. Um, all right, I'm going to let Nick handle the last segment. We know you're a foodie. Oh, these are facts. This is a this is a big food podcast right here. I am the co-creator of the Foodies and Fixins Instagram page. Okay, um, Foodies and Fixins. That's um, interesting. I've I've recently been on the the Mike Delivers podcast to give some reviews of Tri-State Area Grub. Okay. So we're we're big food lovers here. Nick, you got a segment for Christian. Why don't you tell us what it is? Let's do it. First of all, I made some homemade al pastor tacos this weekend. Okay, you got pictures. Uh, yeah, I'll, pull, I'll, pull, I'll text you. I'll put them on Twitter too. I mean, okay. you gotta, you know, you put them on the on the uh, stick on the. And you shave it, it down. Yep, I know exactly. What yeah, like a shawarma deal, mm-hmm. right? And you like shave it down when it's done. Yeah, so good, man. Um, all right, so this is gonna be a quick one called this or that. You got one second to answer. I'm gonna give okay. you two food choices. It's gonna start simple, get a little more complex with some dishes. Let's but do it's it. Gonna be, you gotta pick one of the two options. Okay, let's get it. All right, number one, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Number two, sweet potato fries or waffle fries? Oh, sweet potato fries. Number That's three, empanadas one. or arepas? Oh, empanadas. Oh, man. I love a good arepa too, but empanadas for the win. <laughs> Number four, peanut butter and Nutella. Oh, can I get peanut butter and Nutella? Can they like yeah. merge the two into one? If I had to choose between the two, I'd go peanut butter. <laughs> Option C, just freaking combine them. There you go. <laughs> Number five, a fried chicken sandwich or a juicy cheeseburger? Oh, fried chicken sandwich. Oh, I feel that. Number six, Oreos or Chips Ahoy? Oreos. Number seven, deep dish or thin crust pizza? Thin crust. That shouldn't even be a question. Get that (laughs) deep dish stuff out of here. Send that back to Chicago. Number eight, spaghetti and meatballs or lasagna? Oh, lasagna. Lasagna. Good lasagna. Just slaps you, man. You ever have a veggie lasagna? It's actually pretty good. No. Actually, yeah, I had one. Uh, My sister-in-law made one at one point. Well, my brother's, my brother, that's a sister-in-law, right? Brother's wife. Yeah. Yeah. She made it. um, And uh, it it ended up tasting a little bit like curry, which is kind of weird, but it it actually ended up tasting good. So I ate it anyway. Damn, that sounds good. All right. Number nine, mayo or ketchup? Ketchup. And number 10, last question. This is out with Christian Winfield. Sushi or pad thai? Oh, no. I need more than one second. Oh, man. Sushi or pad thai? <laughs> oh, I'm going sushi, man. I got to go sushi. I got to go sushi. Okay. I love pad thai. No, no, no disrespect to all my pad thai lovers, but sushi, you, you can just get so versatile with it, man. You go anyway. Pad thai, there's only but so much you could do, right? Shrimp, chicken, whatever topping you want. I'm going sushi for the win. Yeah. That was this without Christian Winfield. I think we're all a little hungrier now. Definitely, definitely. I'm going to see what's <laughs> in my fridge after this. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for coming back on nah, the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you. Maybe man. maybe one day we'll go for the trifecta. We got to go for the three-peat. So. We got to go for the three-peat. If, like the, Nets, Tom Hanks, if the Nets win a championship, I will come on. If the Nets lose a championship, I will come on. Love if the Nets it. get bumped in the first round, I will definitely come on. Here's so, what we're doing next time. We're all going to order some food. We're all going to make the same thing. And we'll eat it and react and see what's up. I'm we cool with it. Let's do it. We don't even need to do that for a podcast. We can live stream that next week. Um, that's that's true. True. That's true. Final final question. Just what's your prediction for the game tonight? Pelicans, Nets. Um, no Kevin Durant, no James Harden, no Nick Claxton, no Reggie Perry. I'm going to assume the Pelicans are going to have their guns. So it's looking like Kyrie Irving versus the world. And um. You know what? I'm going to say Kyrie's gone for 50, um, and he's going to hit a game winner. I, I don't think he liked missing all three of those shots down the stretch, so I think he's going he's gonna to explode for a 50 ball. 
There you have it. Reporter Bye-bye. covering the Nets for New York Daily News, Christian Winfield. Christian Winfield. Follow go. him on Twitter <laughs> at K-R-I-S Plashed. There That's we go. At Chris Splashed. Christian, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate y'all, man. You guys take it easy. You too, man. My guy. All right, Nick, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Would you do the honors? Here, I have a different, I'm going to start a little beatbox, and then when it's done, we sing. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Catch you on the fire side. side. That was such a terrible beatbox. <laughs> <laughs>